wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. And on this episode, I have Colton Breezy from Southeast Texas, and there he is a hunting guide. We have a real diverse habitat. You know, we have a lot of agriculture. We have a lot of marsh, both fresh and brackish marsh, some straight salt tidal marsh, a lot of prairie. In years past, it was a very heavily used area for waterfowl. Birds aren't dumb. They're going to go where they're not getting shot. If they can go over there and feed on hundreds of thousands of acres of farm ground, I mean, they're going to do it. Every puddle duck species you can think of, pretty much. Most of our ducks are, are your marsh ducks, your teal, your gadwall, your widgeon, your pintail, some diving ducks, ring necks and scald. We kill quite a bit of everything, man. I mean, I, I, it's not uncommon for me to have a, a hunt that has 11 or 12 different species of birds. Welcome to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins. All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. And on this episode, I have Colton Breezy, and Colton is from Southeast Texas. And there he is a hunting guide, and he works for multiple outfitters. And I'm really excited to have Colton on and hear different hunting stories that he has to share with us. Colton, thanks for being on. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Absolutely. Go ahead and tell people a little bit about your background and uh, the different style hunts that you do. Uh, my name's Colton Breezy. I was born and raised in a little town about an hour east of Houston, Texas, called Winnie, Texas, which uh, affectionately, if everything went well, the state Senate is now the official rice capital of Texas. My family grew up farming and ranching. Uh, my dad was a civil engineering technician for the United States Department of Agriculture. Uh, so I've, I've dealt with and around agriculture for pretty much my whole life. Uh, my family still farms and ranches. Uh, waterfowl hunting was a is a real big staple uh, for our community. It always has been. Uh, used to uh, we produced tens of thousands of acres of rice, and it was a it was a haven for wintering waterfowl of all kinds. I mean, snow geese by the. I mean, I'm not going to say millions. That's probably a bit of a stretch, but fifty to a hundred thousand snow geese in our area wasn't wasn't really a a. a wasn't really a, a major feat to be honest okay. uh ducks all species of puddle ducks you know diving ducks i mean we kind of were situated right on uh east galveston bay we're about 15 miles north of the coast so we kind of have a real diverse uh, a real diverse habitat you know we have a lot of agriculture we have a lot of marsh uh both fresh and brackish marsh some straight salt tidal marsh a lot of prairie so we kind of, I won't say a Mecca per se, but in years past, it was a very heavily used area for waterfowl. Okay. And that's kind of what, you know, what most of the people around here did. I mean, it just was, it, you, you were a duck hunter. Uh, and I got introduced at a real early age. Uh, my grandfather used to be a waterfowl guide back in the seventies and eighties. He eat, breathe and live duck hunting. That's who really, really sparked my passion for it was hearing those old stories from him, you know, telling me about the good old days of the point system and, and all the ducks they used to kill and this, that, and the other. And, and, uh, my dad was a big duck hunter as well. And, you know, he was real popular, uh, when ducks unlimited was real popular in this area back in the early two thousands, my dad was a, one of the main designs and inspectors for ducks unlimited, uh, engineers from down here. So, you know, he did a bunch of these DU impoundments and, and restoration projects and stuff like that in the area. So 
I was pretty fortunate as a young man. I got to hunt. I got to hunt some of the better, some of the better quality properties that our area had to offer. You know, I really got to see it. I didn't get to see it back in the heydays of like my grandfather when it was the point system and stuff, but I got to see it the best it has been in my lifetime for sure. Uh, probably will never be that good again, but uh, I've been hunting since I was seven years old. I'll be 31 here in a couple months. So I've been, I've been around the block a pretty good while. I've yeah. got to chase ducks all across the great state of Texas and Louisiana. Uh, I got a bunch of buddies all across the country, man, guides and outfitters and some just freelancers. And, you know, the waterfowl community as a whole is a pretty, uh, during duck season, it's a pretty cutthroat business, but during the off season, everybody's pretty good friends, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, nobody really wants to tell you about their good spots or take you to their good spots during hunting season. But once season's over with, you know, you can all be buddies again. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. It's afforded me the luxury of meeting a bunch of really cool people, uh, from all over the world. I mean, I've, I've hunted guys from, uh, Germany, uh, Croatia, uh, like, all over europe you know people have come down and hunted i've hunted people from mexico i've hunted people from all over the continent of the united states canada i mean it's just been a it's been a really cool experience for me man duck, duck hunting waterfowl hunting in general has been a has been a huge uh networking tool for me you know just to get to meet and kind of experience you know different cultures and different places and stuff through these people that hunt it's pretty interesting uh it's nice. I, I, I like I like guiding a lot, man. I, I really do. I, it's, I enjoy getting to share the blind with people, and you know, getting kids out there and getting them hunting and and all that good stuff. It's it's uh it it gives me a I say a sense of pride, you know, but it gives me a uh, it gives me a, a sense of fulfillment, really. Yeah. To get to take these people and and for them to get to enjoy the outdoors like I did as a kid growing up. I can remember you know my first duck hunt with my dad. I mean, vividly. You know, I remember the first duck I ever killed was greenhead. You know, I can, I can, I can remember all these memories. You know, very, very vividly, and to be able to 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 share that with as many people as I get to do it in the season with, it's it's pretty special. Oh, that's so awesome! It really is. To what sounds like you, I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said a mecca. I mean, I'm thinking the habitat that you you have there it's like a perfect storm for a very target rich environment and i think that's really cool that absolutely you know so there are certain areas that are obviously better for certain animals and species and this is no different so you are definitely in a very very good location to be a waterfowl hunter and uh, i think it's very unique with the rice fields and um, I'm going to kind of like rabbit trail on the rice field there for a minute. Do you all also do like, uh, the, the crawfish, um, in the rice fields as well? Or is that just kind of a certain people do that? No, no. So I, my family, we don't crawfish farm, but most of your rice farmers around here, uh, <laughs> two things you always learn when you talk to a farmer, one, they're always broke. But they somehow drive a hundred thousand dollar truck and you know have five million dollars worth of equipment and thousands of acres of land and everything else. But that's another story. Right. And two things: most rice farmers down here tell you they only farm rice to farm crawfish. Okay. And the reason being is crawfish is a staple. Man, the the demand for crawfish will never never cease to exist. 
So the price for crawfish is not as fluctuating of a market as it is a grain, you know, as grain prices are. Yeah. So most of these farmers, I mean, they don't get me wrong, they're making money on their rice, but they they farm their rice to have a food source for their crawfish because their crawfish is guaranteed money. Yeah. You know. And uh, so it's kind of a it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. You farm rice and you farm crawfish because you're making money on your rice and you're making money on your crawfish. Yeah. So that's a pretty huge, it's pretty huge. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty big deal in my area. Crawfish is, is huge here. I mean, I, I shudder at the thought of how many, probably me, it's probably over a million pounds. I would assume come out of this area. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, that, so I sidetracked on that there. Uh, it just, it was, it was definitely something that I was like, "Hey, you know what? It, I've always heard one, oh, go, one goes with the other." So, um, was just and it actually say. works out. Uh, it works out really well for waterfowl too, because most of your farmers, once the rice is harvested in late summer, early early fall, you know, most of your farmers they'll go on and flood their. They got to bring their crawfish water up immediately, so it works out perfect for the ducks because that leaves you know tens of thousands of acres of habitat. If they weren't crawfish farming, it wouldn't be flooded. Yeah. But you have to put your water on in the fall for your crawfish to get them to come up out of the ground. So they put that water on and that just opens up that many more, you know, acres for ducks and geese to get in. Now, farmers hate ducks and geese, you know, so that's kind of a double-edged sword. <laughs> right. But uh, Which I'm sure they're happy ducks, for you to come in and hunt them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it works out good that way. But uh, a lot of people don't realize, so ducks and geese – also have a symbiotic relationship so ducks forage on mostly grain grass seeds you know uh grain seeds farm fields things like that so the goose actually rips the chaff of the plant he'll pull the plant out of the ground so he'll actually pull the rice stalk out of the ground they'll eat on the stalk and the root of the plant well ducks and geese work together because as the geese, you know, whatever whatever crop they pull up, whatever waste seed or whatever grain is there, they knock off. Well, the ducks come in behind them, and that's what they eat. So you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a uh, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours relationship. So ducks kind of follow the geese wherever they go, and that was a really huge thing for our area because we used to winter so many geese. I mean, I can remember just not even seven or eight years ago, I could go sit out on my porch any night. And I could hear snow geese flying over my house, just constantly migrating in from up north. And it's kind of dwindled a little bit in the past. Some of our goose flight has shifted a hair to the west, uh, more of that Katy Prairie, uh, Katy Prairie area, okay. uh, El Campo, Eagle Lake, stuff like that. Uh, I, there's probably a host of reasons. Pressure is probably one of them. They form a lot of agriculture that way too. Uh, so you have less pressure and more agriculture that way. You know, birds aren't dumb. They're going to go, they're going to go where they're not getting shot. Yeah. And if they can go over there and feed on hundreds of thousands of acres of farm ground and I mean, they're going to do it, you know? So it's, uh, it's kind of dwindled a little bit in the past. This past season was actually one of our better seasons that we've had. And I would say the last five years, um, we're kind of in a, in a weird, I mean, I think technically we're the central flyway, but we're kind of on the edge of the central flyway. We're, we're almost sandwiched right in between the central and the Mississippi flyway. Okay. So we handle a host of waterfowl. I mean, every puddle duck species you can think of pretty much. Uh, 
and every goose species of some sort. Canada geese aren't super prevalent here. Uh, we do kill a few, not very many. Uh, most of them are like cacklers, the little small Canadas. Uh, there are some resident big Canadas that kind of live in the area around here. They don't get shot much. Uh, and only when it's really, really cold do we ever really see Canada geese anymore. But snow geese and uh, speckle bellies, white-fronted geese, um, they kind of they frequent this area a lot. All your duck species, all your teal, your gadwall, your wedges, your pintail, mallards. Uh, mallards have been more prevalent in the last few years than what I think it's because some of our winters, or at least the winters up north, have been fairly cold. Yeah, and uh, that seems to have pushed uh, quite a few mallards. Uh, so we've shot them more more often than we normally do. I'll say I probably killed maybe fifteen or twenty a season on mallards. Uh, most of our ducks are, are your marsh ducks, your teal, your gadwall, your widgeon, your pintail, some diving ducks, ringnecks and scalp. Uh, we have some redheads. Most of the redheads winter, uh, excuse me, redheads winter further down the coast, like Rockport, Port Aransas, in those super saline bays that grow uh, grass in them. They uh, that flats grass. They 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 tend to feed on that predominantly, so they stay down there kind of. But we kill quite a bit of everything, man. I mean, I, I, it's not uncommon for me to have a, a hunt that has 11 or 12 different species of birds. Oh, that's so awesome. It is pretty cool. It's just, it's a special place to be able to come and, 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 and see that kind of diversity. You know, I mean, we kill, heck, we kill everything from cinnamon teal, which have been more prevalent in the last few years than, than, than they have in years past. Uh, they're still not common by any means at all. But I see three or four of them get killed in our area a year. Uh, we've had old squall killed down here, which is weird. Uh, they get a little lost. Some scoters, sea ducks. But we have a small population of black scoters that winter off the coast uh, in the Gulf, but they're not very. There's not very many of them. Okay. Uh, but I mean, we can we can knock out all the puddle ducks. Hell, a lot of the times in the same hunt. That's really cool. Now, when you're hunting or, or guiding, um, how many people do y'all typically run through on your guide? And, you know, how many people do you have in a blind? So it just depends. Um, it just depends, really. I prefer hunting smaller parties. I like I like the more personable, smaller party, three to four guys, you know, three to five or six. Uh, but I have hunted parties up to 13 before. Just oh, depends. Wow. I mean, we have areas that are set up, yeah, to handle, safely handle you know that many people uh that's not the norm though normally it's between four to six guys is a pretty standard hunt okay good deal. most outfits around here have a three to four man minimum so yeah. that's kind of a i, I feel it i'm 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 not gonna say i'm more comfortable with a smaller party than a bigger party but I feel like the the hunt quality is better with a smaller party because a lot of times, especially if something gets slow, I mean, if you kill 20 ducks with four guys, that's a pretty respectable hunt. You know, 20 ducks with 10 guys, that's a little less respectable, you know? Yeah. So it kind of it kind of improves your quality versus quantity type. And a lot of times when you have slower days with the smaller parties, I mean, you could kill that same amount of ducks with four guys that you did with 10 guys, Yeah. you know? So it just kind of depends. Sometimes the stars align and conditions are perfect and birds are here and the weather's right and everything shakes out and we go kill 50 or 60 ducks. Oh man, that's awesome. That seems to be a lot less frequent than what it has been in years past. So yeah. I can, I can for surely test to that. Yeah. No, when you're hunting, do you primarily hunt with a 12 gauge or is, do you go? I do. So, uh, I do. And the reason I, I say that, 
I bought my wife a 20 gauge uh, when we got together. That was a birthday or Christmas present a couple years ago. Uh, I shoot it a lot during till season. You know, till season is pretty unreal. If anybody hasn't ever experienced an early till season, that's uh, that's about as much fun as you're going to have waterfowl hunting, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, it's just fast and furious. It's like dove hunting a, a sunflower field with water. Okay. I mean, you just, you know, shooting flocks of teal, 30, 40, 50, 100, and it's just constant. As fast as you can load your gun, I mean, bam, here's more flocks, here's more flocks, here's more flocks. A lot of times, uh, teal aren't accused of being the most intelligent ducks in the world, so they decoy really well. They get in close. They get in tight like they should. So I'll, I'll shoot the 20-gauge a lot during teal season okay. just because my shots are 10 to 15 yards. Uh, but during duck season, I predominantly shoot a 12-gauge, and, and a lot of the reason I do that is – Modern steel shot is, is okay, but if you're not shooting a, a bismuth or a tungsten load, something like that, you just don't have the, you just don't have the, the knockdown. And, and I, I hear people argue, and I see it, and I understand it all the time. You know, if you get them in the decoys, anything will kill them, and they're not wrong. But sometimes, as a guy from a guy's perspective, you know, I, I don't shoot a lot. I shoot in big flocks of ducks you know, sometimes with the customers after they've shot or shooting cripples, you know, I, I don't do a lot of shooting. So with that being said, I like to tote the 12 just because I like to have that extra oomph. I like to have that extra knock. You know, if, if, a, if a crippled duck's falling out, it's 50 or 60 yards. I'm shooting at that crippled duck at 50 or 60 yards, not at the duck, you know, that's in the decoys. Right. So that's kind of a that's kind of my my reasoning and availability of ammunition. I, I don't dislike the sub gauges, and like I said, I, I own I own I probably have forty shotguns from four ten to twenty eight gauge to twenty gauge to sixteen to twelve to ten. I, I've got them all. Yeah, and I've got a couple of each. You know, so uh, it's kind of one of those deals. I'm not I'm not a twelve gauge snob by any means, but if I'm picking something that I'm comfortable with, my I know my leads. I'm confident in my shells. I'm confident in my pattern. I'm picking my 12 gauge every time. Okay, I like it. I really do. And yes, uh, sir. So you do a you you do a lot of waterfowl hunting and waterfowl guiding, but you also do some upland birds as well, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, we do. We uh we we do some quail and chuckering pheasant hunts, and uh, we're going to get into some pheasant tower shoots this year and stuff. That's going to be fun and exciting. Just kind of a kind of a a. Uh, a, a break-in period, if you will, you know, get people out and get them, get them knocking the rust off before hunting season gets here and stuff. And yeah, uh, I've chased pheasants in the Panhandle of Texas, and I turkey hunt a little bit. I crane hunt a little bit as well during waterfowl season. I kind of anything has to do with something with feathers, and I'm 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 pretty well involved. I love that. I really do, and that's something that I think uh, a lot of people who don't do that the more that they can be exposed to it and get around it, I think they'll be more apt to want to do it. And, uh, cause I never growing up, I never did anything other than deer hunting. And then right. as, as I became an adult, I got into spring gobbler and turkey hunting. And then, um, more recently I got into upland bird hunting, um, heavily. And the reason for that is where I work, I work out of state and, uh, I have a roommate and, he has a Brittany, a English setter. He actually bred the two. He has a better. And then I believe he just got another dog. Um, 
I, I have to check with him and figure out what uh what breed um he is but uh he is big into upland bird hunting and so initially when we got got or when i got into this you know i, I had my over under 12 gauge out of browning satori that i really love shooting sporting clays with so initially that's what i took upland hunting and uh you know then he's giving me crap he's like you know you're shooting you know 12 gauge let's go sub gauge and so eventually worked my way down to you know a 20 a 28 and a 410 and they're you know here most recently anytime that we're bird hunting you know we typically have the 410 or the 28 gauge and uh, he's big into the side by side um i'm not i'm not there i've you know i'll I'll run it over under but most of the time i'm running my automatic and i just i love one i love watching the dogs work and seeing how they you know they they go on point and you know flush birds when you know on command and uh, i think it's really fun to do that but that was something that growing up i never did anything like it and so the more that i've been around bird hunting the more that i've just fallen in love with it and i'm still a diehard deer hunter and i love that too but uh i'm i'm definitely becoming more of a bird hunter so i uh i'm a i'm i'm a big deer hunter as well uh no east texas that's kind of a rite of passage is deer hunting so it's not as it's not as prevalent in my area here in the last 10 years or so, our deer population has grown exponentially. Uh, used to, I can remember as a kid, never even, never even seeing a deer in winning or around it really. And now I can go down most streets outside of town in the evening or early morning and see a handful. Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely gained in popularity. I didn't really get into deer hunting until I was a little bit older. Uh, my dad had a lease up in uh, deep East Texas. And uh, we just didn't see a lot. You just don't see a lot of deer there. You kill good deer, but you just don't see. It's not like it is in the hill country of Texas or West Texas or South Texas where you go sit and see 30, 40, 50 a sit. Yeah. You, know, you might see four or five deer all year. So it's not as uh, it's not as entertaining for a young man, uh, especially one who grew up duck hunting. You know, it didn't have to be quiet. I could sit in the duck blind and we could talk and eat snacks and hang out and have fun. Oh, here comes some ducks, you know? Yeah. So it was, a uh, it was, a it was, a uh, an acquired taste for me as I got older. I love it dearly now. Uh, I bow hunt a lot. Uh, I still love to rifle hunt. My wife loves to deer hunt. Uh, so we do, we do deer hunt quite a bit now. And, uh, but that's kind of, that's kind of back burner for me. Both season, I'll hunt pretty hard just because nothing's really going on. And then uh, once duck season, you know, duck season and rifle season opened up for us here the same day. Once that happened, our rut's over sometime normally around the middle to the last week of October. Okay. So once the rut's over with here, you're pretty well. These deer are back on their their uh, nighttime pattern, their nocturnal patterns, and they don't come to feed super great because they have so much browse. So it's kind of just a happen to be sitting in the right place at the right time and you happen to get a shot at one, you know, Yeah. it's not, uh, it's not quite as, as easy. I say easy. It's not quite as it is. It's quite as easy, uh, as it is in hill country when those deer have to come to corn, you know, South Texas, they come to corn. Our deer aren't like that. So duck season normally takes, takes precedent for me. Uh, but I still get away a little bit and we'll go hunt deer and like during the split or stuff, we'll go hunt deer that week of Thanksgiving and everything. And, 
<clears throat> it is a it is a pretty big pretty big part of my life, man. I got I got real hooked onto it right out of high school, and I've been I've been hitting it pretty hard ever since. I got into a little long range shooting with a buddy of mine that travels all over the world and hunts, and got to do a little bit of that. And love the precision rifle game. I love guns. I'm a big gun nut. I got that from my grandpa as well. So. <laughs> uh that's awesome it's uh it's definitely a it's definitely a a big hobby of mine but the waterfowl the bird hunting has my heart you know i, I got into a friend of mine raises deutsch Strathars, which is a uh the souped up german wire hair pointer okay and uh he's one of the largest breeders in the country actually i think he's one of the largest breeders in the world now he also owns that upland outfit that i that i help out with as well uh so he kind of got me into the upland game and that was a lot of fun. I've had a couple of draughts, uh, that I did that with. And, uh, I'm a big Labrador guy. I do a lot more duck hunting than I do upland hunting now. So whenever I need to upland hunt, I just borrow one of his 50 dogs and <laughs> nice. I'm a big lab guy. Yeah. Uh, raised and bred field bred Labradors for the last seven years. So I'm a, I'm a big, big time waterfowl dog guy good deal no, and that's you, another element of it too and that's what i think a lot of the allure for for bird hunting especially for younger kids is it doesn't require that patience it doesn't require being quiet being still you know checking your wind for you know so you don't get winded i mean it doesn't involve all that it's more carefree it's just i think it's a little bit faster paced and a little bit more fun yeah and you uh, can build so that camaraderie big, you know, you being together that, yeah, for sure, man. You get to go share the blind with four or five buddies or two or three buddies or whatever you like to do and, and get to laugh and joke and cut up and enjoy yourself and talk about life. It's, uh, man, some of my fondest memories are just spending a day in the marsh with my buddies. And we just some days we shoot them, some days we don't, but we're out there having a good time either way. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. That's so awesome. I you're getting it. to enjoy the, you're getting to enjoy the, 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 the salty air and, the smell of the marsh mud, which I hate beyond, man, I hate it. Gosh, I hate it. But I love being out there, so it just comes with the territory. Yeah. Well, good deal, man. So if uh, if any of our listeners wanted to reach out to you and go on a waterfowl hunt there in southeast Texas, what would be the best way for them to reach you? Uh, man, they can look me up on social media, uh, Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is my first name, Colton, C-O-L-T-O-N. My middle name, Dane, D-A-N-E. My last name, Breezy, B-R-E-S-E-E. -E. Uh, Facebook is just Colton Breezy. If they want to holler at me or whatever, I can give you a little bit of the shakedown of what to expect if somebody books a hunt. You know, we have a, a, a bunch of premium lodging options here. Uh, my my buddy Eric that raises the draughts, he's got some fine lodging. Uh, he kind of uses and leases out to different outfits and stuff and uses them for his own use as well. And, uh man we kind of we kind of handle everything lock stock and smoking gun uh food is available if that's something that you're interested in if not town's close we, there's plenty of food options here uh we drive you to the blind all you need to bring is your shotgun your shells and your waders and uh and be ready for a good time dude that's so awesome so Col oh, yeah. Colton Dane Breezy on Instagram, Colton Breezy on Facebook. And if they want to reach yes, out sir. to you and book a hunt, absolutely. Any specific time better than the others, or I guess what y'all no, season? No, anytime. Uh, so our teal season runs from uh, normally the second weekend of September to the last weekend of September. So those dates change a little bit. I think this year it's like the 13th through the 29th, I think. Okay. Uh, of September. I strongly advise anybody who's ever 
ever been on the fence. The weather's not cold. The mosquitoes are kind of bad, but you'll be having so much fun that you'll forget about the mosquitoes. <laughs> but uh, that's a that's a that's an awesome time, man. It is it is really a whole lot of fun. Plus, our alligator season goes on that same time. Uh, do some alligator hunts and stuff. Uh, so that's kind of a real busy, real busy time for us. Is, is that that September that September time? Uh, our regular waterfowl season opens the first weekend of November. And it goes to the weekend after Thanksgiving. And then in my particular area, we're south of Interstate 10. That season will close for 10 days. And it will reopen, not the next weekend, but the following, which is normally the second weekend of December. And it'll run all the way to the end of January. So we get a pretty, pretty, pretty liberal season. I think it's like 70, 72 days, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Of waterfowl hunting. So pretty much all of the fall and winter, we can shoot something. Good deal, man. That's awesome. And, yes. you know, while they're there, I'm sure you've probably had some clients or customers even go do some hog hunts and things like that while they're also in camp. Man, but, there's all kinds of things we can do. We can, we can hog hunt. Uh, that same friend of mine owns an exotic ranch here. We can, we can, we can chase some exotics. We can, uh, depending on what time of the year, we normally don't like to start doing upland hunts till maybe the end of October, just because the weather is really not cooling off as much as you'd like it's kind of hard on the dogs running in 1900 degree heat yep so uh we tend to like to wait to closer to november when we can get into those 60 and 70 degree days as opposed to the 80 and 90 degree days Mm -hmm. but uh we can we can hog hunt we can deer hunt we can alligator hunt in september we can fish um our bay fishing is is really good in the fall uh so there's there's all kind of man there's all kind of options that's it is one beautiful thing about my area is we're kind of a we're kind of a uh come see and do all kind of place you know we have a we have nothing but nothing but activities to do in the outdoors it's 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 a lot of fun i can't imagine living anywhere else to be honest with you yeah no that's and i've hunted i've got to do some cool stuff i've hunted ducks dry field ducks in the deserts of west texas uh i mean i've hunted ducks and geese in the panhandle and cranes i've hunted them in south texas in the bays down there it's Anywhere you get to go hunt is fun. And I love, I think as I get older now, I, I enjoy the, I enjoy the experience more so than I do the actual hunt. I get to enjoy the culture going to different places. I have a bunch of places on my bucket list, the, the West coast. Uh, I'm supposed to go to Pennsylvania this year with a buddy of mine and hunt up there. What part? Uh, he's right up. He's not far from the border of New York, right on the coast. Okay. He does a lot of sea duck hunting, a lot of black duck hunting up there. Uh, a lot of mallards and stuff too, but it, they do a lot of sea duck and brant hunting is what they really, what they really hit hard. And that's kind of more of what I'm going after. I, I, I want to kill some sea ducks and some brants. Uh, I'm supposed to go up there in November. Hopefully that, that trip gets to shake out. Uh, I really want to go on the West coast and Alaska. I'd love to go there. I don't really have the desire. I mean, I say I don't have the desire. I do. I'd love to go to Canada one time just to say that I've done it. But I've killed ducks in a dry field, real similar to how they kill them up there, and 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 kill piles of them, you know. And that's uh, that's a that's a no doubt a fun hunt. But I would rather I'd rather go see some different stuff. I'd rather go see some of these fishing towns on the east coast and hunt sea ducks, or go on the west coast and get to experience Washington State or Alaska, you know, hunting golden eyes. And you can't hunt harlequins in Washington anymore if you're out of stater, but Alaska get to go see you know go see the pacific northwest and get to experience that and i'd like to go to california uh duck hunt shoot cinnamon teal and stuff like that just kind of branch out a little bit get to get to see how some different people you know different strokes for different folks and 
kind of see how they do it, what works for them and trade a little knowledge back and forth on what works for me back home. You know, maybe it can maybe make us both better. Might make us both worse. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you're on the right track uh, there. I'm really fortunate. The area that I live is it's, it's a hard place to be. If you can live with a hurricane every now and again, it's a, you're hard pressed to find a cooler place in the winter and fall than, than, than our area. No, that's awesome. Well, Colton, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all the you guys have to offer down there. And it's been really cool and interesting to hear what all y'all are doing. And I think our, uh, our listeners got to love it. And I'm sure there's going to be some people reaching out to you here. Um, I'm already interested in, I mean, you're gonna have to get together and figure out some timelines because I'm going to be in Texas in October. We're going to go on a South Texas Neil guy hunt and, uh, it's going to be a nighttime thermal hunt is what we've booked. And so our days are open, wide open. So um, I'll get with you on uh, some dates and see, you know, geographically how far away we're going to be from you and see if there's something we can line up and do some hunting with you. Anytime, man. I'd love, I'd love for y'all to, I'd love for y'all to come over and, and get to see what some of our crazy is about for sure, man. It's a, it's a good time. It's, it's a, it's a, it's an eye-opening experience for people who've never got to, got to do and, and hunt like that and, and chase the waterfowl and get to do all the stuff that we get to do down here, man. It's a, it's a fun time. It really is. It's, it's enjoyable and it hooks people. It really does. It's a, that's one beauty about waterfowl hunting is no matter how many times you do it, it doesn't get any less fun. <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. So, Colton, I appreciate you. And, again, if anybody wants to reach out to Colton on Instagram, it's Colton Dane Breezy. On Facebook, it's Colton Breezy. And, uh, man, I really appreciate you being on tonight. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. And to all of our listeners, I just want to say thanks for the continued support week after week. It, we, we greatly appreciate it. And, as always, keep hunting and keep doing what God calls you to do. Thank you for listening to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. If you'd like to follow, you can find Stephen on Instagram at Stephen Hunt Day and Facebook at Stephen Robbins HD. If you'd like to reach Stephen, you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com.